If you guys were to be possessed by a dead person, who would it be? John Candy. The John Candy? Yeah, I want to be famous and fat and in movies. And I think he's got the talent to do it. I wish you'd have just You been realize like, you could just be fat and famous if you applied yourself. No, no. I don't want to apply myself. I'd rather just get along on uh, John Candy's accolades. He's already there. He's already done it. I'm going to have to gain like 200 pounds, but I can be famous for a little bit. Could you not just be John Candy, but not super fat? Or do you have to be fat to be John Candy? I could be thin candy. <laughs> I think some of his bits wouldn't translate if you weren't I feel fat. That's, I feel that's probably true. Yeah, yeah. yeah that could and be then a I could make sequels to his, his movies. You know, let's see. What's what's the best John Candy movie? We can make The Great Outdoors 2. Ooh. I could be Barf from Spaceballs. Your own best friend. Mark, Mark's really looking at making that nothing but trouble too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it John Candy who was Uncle Buck? He was. Yes, he All was right. Uncle, too. Buck. Uncle Buck is, yeah, there you I'm go. I'm telling you, it's easy money. Uh, okay. Planes, trains, and automobiles could be like Ubers, Lyfts, and motor scooters. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Perfect. I think I'm on to something. John? I don't know how to follow up with that. I don't think I'd want to be possessed by anybody, but if I did have to be possessed by somebody, who would it be? Someone very smart. He's all, uh, Ivan Reitman. Let's get this going. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Ivan someone... Reitman's still alive. <laughs> Is he? Wait, who's the guy He's from... the guy that did Ghostbusters. I thought he died. No. Didn't he die? Who died in uh, Ghostbusters then? That's Harold Ramis. Harold Harold Ramis. Ramis. My bad. My bad. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I'll go with Harold Ramis. Good thinking. Uh, Harold Ramis. You put a lot of thought into that one, John. You know, I'm a go with the flow kind of guy. If I'm going to be possessed, I'm going to do a crowdsource style. Now, if you grow your hair out, John, can you pull off like an Egon Spengler hair? Uh, No, I can't. My hair um, doesn't do anything except immediately become an afro. Mine does too. That's all that happens. I've grown it out before to see what would happen. It's not a good look. Uh, not at all. We get a little product in there. We can make you look like Spangler. A couple of mad scientists. <laughs> yeah, we need a lot of product. I have way too much curls and it's annoying. Well, I like that answer. There's hair talk. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to hair talk. What do you I'm got out. here? Um, you know, I kind of want to go with Robin Williams. I mean, a lot of like really cool famous people I'd like to hear. David Bowie would probably be pretty cool. Uh-huh. But I feel like Robin Williams would just really be freaky. Like if you're possessed, but that dude can just like come up with voices. He can go nuts. I mean, like he's going to he's going to make the the possession experience probably the most enjoyable. I think living Robin Williams seemed like he was possessed. Imagine if he had the powers <laughs> of true possessity. He can make floats and turn your head around. What if he was just the genie? That's what I'm saying. You could just be like the G and you're like, oh man, there it is. Perfect. Man. Okay. Uh, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> how do we get this happening? How do we get the exercise? Ouija board? How do we get the possession ball rolling? Well, basically. Well, we, have to, we have to be told not to buy a Ouija board right, and then got, go out and buy the best Ouija board we can find. Best damn Ouija board you've ever seen. Thank you, Paranormal Activity, for giving <laughs> us that lesson. Yeah. And then what you do is once you contact the ghost, um, taunt it. Yeah. Taunt and then don't close the, the, the conversation. In fact, here's, watch the movie Ouija. It tells you exactly what not to do. Do that. Over. <laughs> That's the blueprint. Yeah. Well, I don't feel like uh, insulting John Candy enough to get him to come out from his slumber. The Ouija experts would say, you don't even know if you're talking to John Candy. Demons are liars. Abort, <laughs> abort, abort. <laughs> Death be not proud. Though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, thou art not so. Hey, all you creatures from cyberspace. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Grave Talk podcast. My name is Mark, again, joined by John and Garrett. Fellas, how are we doing today? It's a wonderful life. That's a that's a movie. You want uh, Stuart to possess your body? 
Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's a magical day. Um, Mary. <laughs> oh, it's also a reference to this movie. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, I'm doing okay. As I mentioned on a previous episode, I worked my way through the Aliens saga, and it was still amazing, except for Resurrection. So are you pro Whalen or pro Utani? You know, I don't think you can have one without the other. Yeah. You yeah, know? Both are needed. It's like Benny and the Jets. You just can't have Benny. Heads he's he's got a cab driver. <laughs> you know? The yin and yang of the evil corporation. <laughs> yeah, I did those. Uh, Aliens won... Still fucking amazing. Aliens, the second one, I'm just not a huge fan of. I can never get into it the way... I love Bishop. There's so many things I want to love about that movie, but I just cannot get into it the way that other people do. And here I thought you were cool. <sighs> I'm the coolest, baby. <laughs> now you going to tell me how much you like Aliens 3. I actually really enjoy <laughs> oh, Aliens no. 3. I do think it has some very weak points, but I think that the the, the premise of that movie is just solid as hell. I love it. Was I think three the, Whedon or four? Yes. Th- three. Three was, okay. um, wait, no, was, three was Finch. Finch. Resurrection was Whedon. Uh, Fincher. Fincher. David Fincher. David Fincher. Yeah. yeah, David Fincher. Yeah, I really enjoy three. Four. The director's cut. Yes, of course. Specific. Of course. Gotta be the director's yeah, cut. Yeah, no, we're not talking theatrical on that one. We're talking about the stuff where it's like storyboard frames put into the movie to like right, do theatrical. a Theatrical. What do you think? He's an amateur here? <laughs> yeah. Come on, box set, baby. <laughs> and then um, Prometheus, I... I will ride or die Prometheus. I love that movie. You'll, you'll probably die if you don't know you can run sideways. So. <laughs> well, that's yeah, true. All the, movie, all the movies uh, critics just can't get over the, the faults of the, you know, the flaws. But uh, there's a really good movie in there. There it's, is a, it's a good movie. fantastic movie. And honestly, Alien Covenant would have been a phenomenal movie if they had just not given the script to that that one dude to add in the Aliens 1 storyline. Yeah, that's studio meddling, unfortunately. Well, it was all the fans being like, I went and saw Prometheus and there was no aliens in it. And it's like, well, yeah, fucking Rip uh, Scott said, this is not a Xenomorph story. We're done with that. They're gone. They're out. And then fucking Covenant came back and they were like, we got to add aliens because everyone was pissed about that. And it's like, dude, you just fucked up an incredibly awesome story with David and that whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, in your I'm, rewatch, did you watch the best one, Alien versus Predator? No. Go and home. what about Alien versus Predator? No. Two. Move away. <laughs> Garbage <laughs> town. What's worse, what's worse than go home and move away? Do you not? Va- time is limited. You do not value your time. Uh, I, obviously, I, I watch Amazon horror movies. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I guess I guess I don't appreciate the alien queen and the Antarctic fight. Yeah, yeah. Classic. After, after climbing out of the underground um, pyramid. I mean, <laughs> key key scenes in cinema: Rosebud, Alien Queen fights in Alien versus Predator, and Bobcat Goldwaite's monologue from Hot to Try. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows that. <laughs> I I like Alien Covenant. I even like the Aliens bit. The problem was is it didn't do anything new, but I thought it was well shot. What? The Aliens bit didn't yeah. do anything new? Yeah. Inside well, Alien Covenant. Well, that's Covenant. the thing. Is, so if if you actually, like, if you go to it, like, the script was written, and then the studio noted it to hell, and then it went to another writer who was like, I was excited to basically, they wanted me to add more Alien stuff to it. Right. And I was excited to basically, since it was my favorite movie, like, to write the movie alien into this script like the dude like flat out says like i basically wrote my version of alien into this script yeah. and i'm like but what i'm saying is i don't mind it I, it's just it's not the best part it of the movie. serves no right. purpose to this storyline that we've set up in prometheus and covenant sure but it was fine on its own if it was like its own thing it's like it but, was well shot but that that diminished everything that like the david storyline had built up it was like this is all fluff this is all chaff here we don't need this well we can only hope that they'll let Scott do the third one. Maybe. But now that it's owned by Disney, who knows? Who knows? Disney's not going to turn away a cash cow like fucking the Aliens franchise. The you know alien- what film had no aliens? What? The Exorcist 3. 
It didn't. We <laughs> should watch that. Yeah. Oh, and wait, maybe we do an did. episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're here today to talk about Exorcist 3. And as we do, we go heavily into the plot. So if you don't want to be spoiled, watch it and come back and listen to us talk about it. And another thing about Aliens 2, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so The Exorcist 3 from 1990. Uh, this one was directed by author William P. Blatty. Wait, 1990? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long? What did the original come out? Seventy something, right? Yeah, it was a long break because Exorcist Two pretty much shit on the franchise. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, and I don't know if I'm going to get ahead of some trivia. Mark will have William Peter Blatty did not want to call this Exorcist Three. He wanted to call it Legion, which is what the books called. Oh. Be- uh, because the Exorcist Three, fran- like Exorcist franchise, was shit after Exorcist Two. It was two. tainted after Two. Yeah, but the studio was really insistent on it, so he slapped Exorcist Three uh, onto it. Interesting. Yeah, and they also cut it. And they, uh, for the longest time, uh, his full vision of what this movie was supposed to be was lost. Well, back in 2016, Shout Factory released a theatrical and director's cut. They found a VHS tape with all the missing material and they spliced it in. So what? now there's the, the, it's closer to William Blatty's original vision for this movie. What about the one we watched this time? Was it the theatrical? theatrical which I and think... The thing is, is you'll know when you're watching the, the cuts because it's in VHS quality yeah. bumped up against HD. Really? Yeah. And there are some cool things in the director's cut, but I actually really do prefer the third act of the theatrical version to William Peter Blatty's original version, which didn't have like an exorcism Let's get into at that. all. I want to I get into that because well, that's... I'm, I'm definitely going to buy that box set because I really enjoyed this movie. I would recommend it. I think it's is it an, an Exorcist box set or is Exorcist three it's just box set? Three with both versions in it. Okay, okay. Um, Which yeah. is fine. You do not want Exorcist two if you've never seen it. Do yourself I a favor not. and do not. Or if like Rift Tracks or something did it, watch it with that because it's so so bad. Well, John, can you just quickly? Well, let me get the names out of here and then yes. I want you to just to briefly recap one and two first. <laughs> you said recap. Recap. <laughs> <I love> it. <laughs> okay. Oh, I don't. Okay. Let me look up two while you okay, do. This. You do your thing. So this one stars George C. Scott playing Bill Kinderman, and he was the detective from the first movie. And I got to say, this is one of the strongest George C. Scott performances that I've seen, I think. He's so good in it. He's such a great actor. You'll know him from like the Christmas Carol. He played Ebenezer Scrooge in that. He was Patton. He was in Dr. Strangelove. He played the general in that movie. So he is like a well-seasoned guy at this point. He's a huge name. Yeah. I'm really surprised they got him, to be honest. And I'm so glad that they got such a great actor because Kinderman plays such an important... I mean, there's a lot of monologuing, a lot of dialogue in this film. Like, if you had a weak actor, it would have gone terribly. But thankfully, he fucking... He just puts this movie on his back. He's a lieutenant, right? Yes, he's the the lieutenant. Without his performance, this movie would have failed. Agreed. Um, Big time. So to continue with the cast, we've got Ed Flanders as Father Dyer. Brad Dourif is the Gemini killer. We got Jason Miller as Patient X. Jason Miller is the original um, Father Karras from the from the first movie. Is that the white-haired guy that shows up at the end? He's the one that keeps intermingling with Brad Dourif's character. They keep changing oh, the Oh, okay, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Nicole Williamson is Father Morning, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe he is the priest that performs the exorcism at the end. Okay, that's yes. what I was wondering. He is, yes. Okay. All right, this one is sitting at a 59% on Rotten Tomatoes out of 41 critics and a 55% with the audience, 34,034. Wow, that's so that low. That seems a little low, honestly, for... Low. I mean, don't get me wrong. I can, I can totally see how people would come to that based on, after watching this movie, I can see how people would be at that score. Yeah. But the ending, the, the whole third act is so 
good. I feel like it carries the the water of the first act, which was very lackluster wonder, and all over the place. I wonder if it's because it's called The Exorcist and they're expecting more of a, de- a classic demonic possession movie, which this is more of like a police procedural also with a demonic possession. In the criminal movie. justice system, there are two separate yet equal groups, those who do exorcisms and those who are exorcised. That would be OG. These I'd watch stories. Law and Order Special Exorcist Units. <laughs> the XPD. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, here's what the back of the VHS box has to say about Exorcist 3. For more than 15 years, Police Lieutenant Kinderman has been haunted by the death of his friend, Father Damien. Now, on the 15th anniversary of the exorcism that claimed the father's life, Kinderman's world is once again shattered when a boy is found decapitated and savagely crucified. It's just the beginning of this nightmarish series of bizarre religious murders. Soon, a priest is found stabbed in the confessional and Father Dyer another of Kinderman's close friends, is brutally slain in the hospital bed. I guess we're just doing the whole movie, I mean, guys. Wow. Wow. On the back of this yeah. box. Jesus. <laughs> when, we're not done yet. I still have two paragraphs. When a psychopath claiming to be the infamous Gemini killer admits responsibility for all the murders, Kinderman insists on a personal confrontation. The man does, in fact, know intimate, gruesome details that only the true killer could possibly know about. There's only one problem. The Gemini killer died in the electric chair 15 years ago. Get out! <laughs> the Exorcist 3 is author-director William P. Blatty's personal vision of what followed after The Exorcist. Like the original, Exorcist 3 combines elements of the detective story, a theological puzzle, and an unforgettable study in terror. Ooh. That's a lot of words. Unforgettable study in terror. We haven't heard that one before. No, they really oh, were so close to an unspeakable study yeah, unspeakable terror. horror you yeah. know yeah. that's what we're always looking for here the unspeakable horrors but, but no. this one is an unforgettable study of terror you know i believe that which yeah. by that rationale though is not true in any movie we do where it says that because we speak about these terrors and horrors at length <laughs> <laughs> john can you recap us on exorcist one and two yes all right so exorcist one i mean i'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast you know pretty much so i'm gonna fly through that uh it's about reagan mcneil who gets possessed by a uh, pazuzu who is a demon, and Father Damien ultimately exercises her. He, at the end, gets spoilers for a 30-year-old movie. 45. 45-year-old movie. Um, I think we're well past spoiler territory then. Uh, He takes Pazuzu inside of himself and throws himself out the window and dies. And that is the end of The Exorcist. The Exorcist 2, please do not watch this movie, but if you want to, it's on Amazon Prime. The Exorcist 2 picks up Reagan's story. Now she's an adult and um, she lives in New York and she's still undergoing like psychiatric, you know, uh, evaluations from this uh, ordeal that she went through. And it picks up as a priest who is like a protege of the Exorcist. Um, and God, it's just so bad, guys. I can't even explain it without it sounding crazy. He, well, explain it. Um, <laughs> uh, the church like doesn't believe that this exorcism really happened, by the way. So the, Wait, the first one? For the first one. In the second one, the church is like, well, it all seems like bullshit. They're doing that whole shtick. Yeah. 
Um, and so they want to get uh, images and possessions out of Reagan's mind about this. And they hook him up to some sort of crazy mind reading device. That Those don't exist. Like, like the lawnmower man? Yeah, well, it flashes <laughs> a bunch of light uh, at her, if I remember right. Um, and also there's like a B story about locusts and how the locusts are part of Pazuzu's uh, attack on Earth, and Pazuzu specifically attacks spiritual healers, which is what Reagan, I guess, is. Um, and ultimately, she gets, like, repossessed, and... Um, she gets repossessed because she didn't make payments <laughs> on yeah. her soul. And there's a, they go back to her house in Georgetown, and they have a climatic uh, exorcism there, and the whole house starts collapsing in a swarm of locusts attack her. In the same house from part one? Yes. Okay. That she has to swing, like, bat, she has to fight off locusts while an exorcism is happening. Uh, the end. <laughs> okay. Well, that doesn't sound great. Was that one based on a book that Blatty did No. Too? In fact, he hates this movie, loathes it, had nothing to do with it, and like was like, that movie is an abomination, uh, which it is. Well, then we got Exorcist 3. Which he uh, wrote. Wait now, a minute. Hold on. So in the second one, you did tell me that the church doesn't believe that the exorcism actually took place. They don't believe it was they're real. conflicted. Uh, in air quotes, but yeah, they pretty much are like, this is bonkers shit. There's no proof. There's no video, you know, so they're just like, I don't know. Well, wait, like- they believe in all that other stuff, but they don't believe in this? Well, the church in the exorcism, in the exorcist uh, universe, is very skeptical of exorcisms. Remember, in the first one, Damien was like, here's what you need to do. You need to go to a doctor because all the, because uh, like in the first one, when Reagan's mom is like, hey, how do I get an exorcism? The Damien's like, well, what you want to do is get a time machine and go back to the 16th century because he's a dick. And this lady is like asking for his help and he thought it was a good time to be sarcastic. Wow. Yeah. yeah. The Exorcist 3 picks up after The Exorcist. So you don't need to know about anything about The Exorcist 2. They do <laughs> notably never talk about The Exorcist 2 in any way. So like you could just go Exorcist, Exorcist 3 and be happy. So okay. we'll forget it ever happened and don't watch if you haven't seen it. But jump into Exorcist 3. I think done and done. Yeah. I think we'd all recommend this movie. Right? Big time. Garrett? I would recommend this movie with the caveat of setting the expectation properly with the viewer of... It's one of them talkies. Sit, well, not even so much that, just because you know, Matt, I love a good backstory. I love a good, like, you know, deep monologue into, like, you know, information. But I, you got to set the expectation of, like, this is not going to make any fucking sense until the second act. Just bear with it. Like, yeah, it's a, there's some crazy shit that happens in the first act, but it's all, like just random events and just fucking back and forth dialogue where it's like, what does this have to do with anything? And then like, it all kind of makes sense in the second act, but you have to really, you have to really yeah. consciously sit to that first act. I don't think I had a problem following it, to be oh. honest. Um, it, it just, was just feels um, like a dream, but, but I like that. It centers around Lieutenant Kenderman from the first movie. And it really just kind of shows what, like a snapshot of his life, right? Mm-hmm. You get a lot of his interaction with his family his interaction with his best friend, Father Dyer. Right. And in the first 35 minutes, I wrote down, is this movie a black comedy? Because this... Well, that's the thing. The, di- jokes. the dialogue between like him and Dyer, I was just like... So good. I was like, okay, why are you guys talking so fast? Why are you guys quipping nonstop? Like, what is going on? Like, and then it cuts to his family and it's like, he's having like quick conversation with them. And then he goes to the bar and he's having a conversation with someone well, else. And I'm like, on the Northeast talk. And so. I'm just like, yo, what, what does it have to do with anything? And then the murders start. And then it's like, okay. And then like, he cares about it. And then he's talking to a newspaper guy and it's like, what, what threat am I supposed to be chasing? Well, and then it quickly like 
puts you on track. It's but showing while, his, it's like, like, how he's disillusioned, right? I mean, and, like, it opens with a murder. I mean, you it, don't see it. You're right. It does, but, but it didn't feel that way until we got to the main plot point, the plot line, and I was like, oh, that was all to build this up. It just did, it didn't catch me at first. All right. But, yeah, I would recommend it, because, honestly, the the second and third act of this movie damn yeah i like all three acts so uh i agree second third act <laughs> awesome but i also like the first act i like how it shows this relationship between you know two older men and how they're best friends and how they've you know gone through this traumatic experience and how they're trying to cope you know every year they go see it's a wonderful life uh, which is a call back to the first exorcist um well the thing is both- dyer's having the conversation with the other priests about how he's gonna see the movie i was like who is this about dyer like i thought it was supposed to be about dyer so they kept like switching over to kinderman i was like what the fuck am I doing? Well, like, I think it's showing is- this parallel where they both think they're help. They think, I mean, I think as friends, they know they both need each other, right? So Father Dyer is like, yeah, you know, Kinderman gets depressed, so I got to go cheer him up. And then oh, Kinderman says, okay. Father Dyer's depressed. Okay. You know, this is the most depressed day of the Which year. I, so I absolutely love that dynamic. It's like telling his family, I got to go hang out with the priest. It's the day Damien died. Yeah. I got to go cheer him up. And the other guy's saying the exact same yeah. thing. Yeah, no, I got that. But it was just one of those things where it was like, I was like, well, who am I supposed to be caring about? Like, who's the character I'm supposed be following here and it wasn't made clear until like the beginning of the second act let me just say this right now and i think this is going to help you out a little bit and i think this is might be lost on people that didn't read the book reading the book versus the movie the movie kinderman is barely in the film he's there for like maybe 10 minutes in this case the max the exorcist not the not not the exorcist three book but the original exorcist book kinderman's like a main character yeah Mm. in the book he's like in it yeah. All the time. You follow oh. that character around from start to finish while he's trying to figure out, is she really possessed or did somebody murder the director? Okay. Well, then that makes more sense then because in, in the movie, I was like, they're like, oh, he was heavily around. I was like, was he? I don't remember seeing that dude hardly at all. Yeah. And I think that might be why a lot of these people gave this such a low rating. Like, why are we following the cop? Where's Reagan? Where's the, you know, where's watch the mother? Exorcist 2 and feel, well, the mother, <laughs> yeah, yeah. she never comes back. In Exorcist 2, she took off to Europe like her dad and uh, oh. Reagan's all alone. But if you want to know Reagan's story, go watch Exorcist 2. Did, did Reagan get mentioned in this movie? No. Did I just miss? Well, okay. they, well, they yes. mentioned the exorcism. In like it. one line, throwaway line, they're like, oh, it's related to, you know, the Reagan Yeah, yeah, exorcism. yeah. I remember that. But no. But I I just didn't know like they said what happened to her. No, but after reading the book, for me personally, this movie is a perfect sequel for that first book because it was so tied mm-hmm. into Kinderman. I was like, yeah, I'm into it. Let's see what happens to him 15 years later. And then when you they play out like, holy shit, the real connection to movie one with Brad Dourif's character. Yeah, that was just like, wow, it's crazy, right? Yeah, it was really good. So uh, let's get into it a little bit. Uh, one of the things I also really appreciate about this film is the lack of music. Hey, no soundtrack in this mm-hmm. thing. There's some ooh here and there, but there's not a soundtrack. They play tubular bells once real For 30 quick. 30 seconds yeah. and they shut it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at the very beginning, which I thought was a really cool intro scene. I thought the uh, the intro credit stuff, I was like, yeah, ooh. great. We got the feel of the first one. And then I was like, well, I hope you felt it because that's the last time yeah, we're going to feel we're that. Then we're going to go see rowers. <laughs> right. I was like, what's up with these row, this row team? Yeah, because like after the credits, we get like the breeze that comes in and busts into the like just kicks the door open the church. Like I'm here, motherfucker. It's like, a light evil breeze. Yeah, and then our crucifix is known for opening their eyes only if a demon's around and Jesus has got to fuck some shit up. This movie had a really <laughs> weird thing where they would show imagery 
that you weren't supposed to know if it was real or not. But the thing is, the prop that they use looks so real, like in real life. Yeah. Like it was like, wait a minute, do they just have a Joker statue in this church? <laughs> it was like, so yeah, the, the crucifix opens its eye. And I was like, oh, what the hell is going on in this movie? And then we get like the voiceover of like, I have a dream of, of a rose and staircases. And then bam, we wake up out of that. And then it's like the murders happened, right? Mm-hmm. Man, I'm probably fucking this all up. No, I mean, so, general so what, you're, what you're experiencing is a vision from the evil that is being given to Kinderman. He's seeing these murders take place as they happen in his dreams. Wait, yeah. so Kinderman's seeing this? Yeah, he's dreaming this. It, yeah, it becomes really, really apparent when, uh, like when Dyer dies, uh, which I don't think is a spoiler because the back of the fucking box apparently <laughs> right, tells clearly. you. Clearly. Uh, when Dyer dies, it's like, remember, he's like, dude, I'm not dreaming. Because he goes in that like weird fucking Fabio, yeah, with Samuel Fabio Jackson and Heavenscape. And in the dream, he's got all the stitches along his neck because his head's already been cut off. Right. And he's like, I'm not dreaming, bro. I'm dead. What? Yeah, yeah. so Kinderman is like plugged into this universe. Uh, like the just demon through is his, fucking Just through his, his experience through the first exorcist? Yeah. Right. His connection to movie one is why he's Okay, being... see, I couldn't figure that out. I was like, what the hell is going on with this dude? Like, he's got to be a clairvoyant or something. But I just thought more of it was just like he was like manifesting his own like mindset onto like the horrific shit he was seeing happen. No, the whole shit about the roses and all that in the dream, that's when the kid is getting killed and strung up on the oars. Yeah. Yes. Now, I was laughing my ass off when they're describing the the murder to Kinderman. He's like, yeah, kid got killed, had his eyes jammed out with ingots. Then his head got cut off and then he was split open (laughs) and then he was crucified. I was like, and then and then and then his head was replaced with a fucking like crucifix Jesus face that had black face on it. Yeah. With the lips and everything. And I was like, slow the fuck down. Like, yeah. like when and how did this all go down? He's a demon. You can do crazy yeah. shit. But it was like, the, just the most elaborate murder. I'm and like, then, holy shit. And then, it's ritualistic. Then, you know, that's the, the message, I guess. Is to I, send didn't, a message. I didn't laugh, but my mouth literally fell open when they were describing that scene. I was like, what else happened to this dude? Like, and then he did a live action one broad well, one act play. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And then he went to vaudeville. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, this is a uh, starting well, to Well, you're talking out. about when he tells it to Father Dyer, right? When he tells the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think the point is, right? So, Father... Like, I think the... Father Dyer was saying, like, look, we're all spirits. We're going to live forever. Everything will be fine. Like, you know, cheer yeah, up. Yeah, Dyer does say that. He was and, like, I believe in a more... He's like, because I want to I live forever. He's like, no, you don't. And he was right. like, yeah, we're going to live forever. And so I think Kidderman was like, look, here's, here's what's going on in the fucking real world, bro. Like, it's disgusting out there. And that's why he told them, like, so elaborately how fucked up that murder was. Because after that, right, you can he cuts back to Dyer's point of view or, you know, face. And you can just see he's got, like, nothing to say, right? And the, the waitress comes by and is like, hey, are you okay? I can get you some other shit. But he's just processing, like, the evil in the world, you know? I want to just say that since we're talking about Father Dyer and George C. Scott's um, Kinderman character, their uh, chemistry is fantastic. So good. In fact, one of my favorite scenes is when Kinderman is describing having to keep a live carp in his tub. Oh, (laughs) another thing that I was like, yo, I've never seen a man so pissed about a fish before. What if it was in your tub? For three days. Yeah. Can't go home. The carp. My wife's mother is visiting father and tuesday night she's cooking as a carp it's a tasty fish i i have nothing against it but because it's supposedly filled with impurities she buys it live and for three days it's been swimming up and down in my bathtub up and down and i hate it 
I can't stand the sight of it. Moving its gills. Now, you're standing very close to me, Father. Have you noticed? Yes. I haven't had a bath for three days. I can't go home until the carp is asleep. <laughs> because if I see it swimming, I'll kill it. What is wrong with you? Like, what is going on with this person? I think there's like a like a metaphor there, right? About this carp. This carp is caught in this tub, just swimming back and forth. Back. Kinderman, I think, is like knowing that it's going to die too, right? And I think Kinderman is exhausted with being a police officer. I think he's like just being worn down. He got this Gemini killer. Now he really cared about that boy who got killed, right? And then he goes and he's talking to his staff or whatever and they're just like making jokes or whatever he's like dude i think this guy's a fucking racist you oh know? yeah he flat out he was all like there was a question on the uh the police exam that says what would you do if you came into someone or what would you do to protect someone with rabies and he was like i love like rabbis yeah <laughs> it was like I do whatever i can for him <laughs> i love i love jewish priests i'll do whatever i can for him and i was like that's a funny joke right there great like, joke that was a great joke to really show that everyone else he works with is incompetent and just completely uncaring the way he is. Right. He's and it like shows so that he's still connected to it. Yeah. And he is not like defeated by, well, he's not numb to what's going on. Right. But he's worn down. And I you think- get that with the conversations with Dyer, which you're right. I love the interactions, but like that carp. Well, I think he's saying the carp is Kinderman. Kinderman. He sees no, no, himself. No, no, yeah. no. As you're saying this, I completely get it now. But at the time I didn't, I was like, this is pointless dialogue for pointless dialogue. <laughs> And then earlier he's like, I thought it was funny on its own. Like that his, too. Yes. Oh, it's his, funny, his but I was like, what does this fucking perfect. serve yeah. for any of this? He's like, you're close to me. I haven't been able to bathe in three days. <laughs> yeah. And, and Father like, Joe is no Georgia peach either. He says a line, Jesus loves you, but everyone else thinks you're an asshole. Yeah. Like, oh, it, it, big it, time. Well, he tells another priest that he's like, he's like, what did you say to him? And he's like, I told him that Jesus loves him, but everyone else thinks he's an asshole. Yeah. And I was his like, biggest benefactor. <laughs> yeah. I was like, he got in trouble with the diocese. I guess they were, yeah. he was supposed to be like helping some rich person, yeah. like, you know, counsel them or something. And that's what he told him. <laughs> yeah. Which I love that Dyer's character was very real. And the fact that he was just like, I'm not here for the church. I'm here for spiritualism yeah. or whatever. Like he legitimately still like, they both really cared about what they did for the right reasons. Yeah. And they cared and they about each other. They weren't bogged down by the system, but the system definitely was like not corrupted, but you know what I'm saying? I think they, they were just, <laughs> don't disil- make me say it. It's a podcast. <laughs> they were just disillusioned, right? Yes. They're becoming to, to just be worn down as they age and they'd been fighting these battles and they've seen this horrific shit. And I think it is just starting. Like, I think Dyer was handling it better because he had this faith in God that Kinderman didn't have, right? Kinderman's like, man, I, you know, Dyer tells him, look, we're all spirits. Everything's mm-hmm. going to be fine. We're going to live forever. And he's like, I really wish I could believe that. Yeah, Kinderman and, does not believe. Right. And so some of this journey of like Kinderman's journey is going from that non-believer to become a believer, which, you know, he happens at the end, right? He's like, I believe. Sort um, of. And that's one thing I want to talk about, though. But like, we'll get to that. Um, And... I think it's watching these two people sort of deal with their disillusionment differently. So you, you said about all the bad shit that they've seen. Well, one of the things that I found interesting and let me know if you agree is this movie doesn't have a lot of gore. No, it doesn't show the dead bodies. Anytime they're at a dead body, it's under a sheet and he lifts up and looks under one hand, looks at one hand, you know, it's not graphic. Right. Until the very end. There's a very graphic end scene. Sure. Yes. But that, the, there's something to that scene. It was added by the studio, if Mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken, that That whole whole exorcism bit. Yeah, no, when, when you when you there. said there was yeah. some stuff added at the end, I was like, oh, I know exactly what scene was added at the end. It's like, make it more like Exorcist, so it's just like Alien Covenant. 
Yeah, add the shit at the end. You I know? think it works better. Stop though. fucking with these movies. I think it works better. Like I really do think it gives it a powerful like because it makes it feel like the whole movie was building to a crescendo instead of it being just sort of this slowish burn kind of. I don't know. I like the ending, but um, I do also really like in that you don't see all the you just see uh, Kinderman's reactions. Thankfully, you know George Scott's such a great actor that it works. It could have been shitty, no, and, but, I, and that's one of the positives. I think yeah. it doesn't show you much at all in until the end. And it's yes. effective still. It's yeah. still very effective. Uh, just to wrap up the the poor kid who got killed and crucified on an oar, uh, like the more the mortician or whoever comes in is like, we got the blood work back. He didn't die from all that horrible shit. He was paralyzed by an electroshock drug. It's so fucked up. And he he was he alive during experienced all of, it. all of that horrible shit. And it's just like, God damn. And then you get a line later on from the quote unquote Gemini killer that expands on that. And he's all like, you know, like after you decapitate a head, it can see you for 20 seconds. I like to show him their own body. And I was like, oh my God. Dude, yeah, I throw that you in. You fucking psycho. Like he's like, yeah. just the little chuckles that we get. And I was like, dude, Brad Dorf is the Gemini yeah, killer. Like, Fuck it. Th- that dude is amazing. From I will, start to finish. I think this is his best performance. I can't think of anything else. That I was like, holy shit. The main thing is the torment of your friend, Father Karras, as he watches while I rip and cut and mutilate the innocent, his friends, and again, and again, and on and on. He is inside with us. He will never get away. His pain won't end. Holy fuck. I I like... Kind of I am right alive. Yeah. So one of the things that the directors cut with all the VHS footages is, is apparently it's all Brad Dourif's full performance in that moment. Mm-hmm. Really? So that's why I'm so interested to see which it. one because he has multiple moments. Yeah, but it's just all him. There's no intersplicing between the two actors or any of that. It's right? Because sometimes it cuts him. back to the yeah. actor who played Damien. Yeah. So anyway, oh, so you don't see you don't see the 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 priest's face that confused the fuck out of me. It's two actors playing one role. Yes, when they switched the actor, I was like. I was like, wait, is he in a different cell now? <laughs> Who's this guy? And it wasn't until like the end. I was like, oh, they're just showing what's inside of him, yeah. which they should not have done. Which, if from what I understand, the original version is all Brad Dourif only. It should have stayed that way. Honestly, in my opinion, I would no agree offense with that, to anybody yeah. who likes it this way. I think Brad Dourif, I feel like tapped into the father Damien, like, like acting like his character. Cause when he was pretending to be Damien, I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah, I know yeah. who you're supposed to be. And I guess maybe audiences got confused by that. Yeah. So now at this point, we get a, uh, this movie is going to mostly play out kind of like a cop procedural, right? Mm-hmm. The first third, mm-hmm. you know, as Kinderman's trying to figure out who's killing, there's a murder at a church inside a confessional booth. You just see a priest go in on one side and you hear an old woman talking. I, oh, sorry oh, to come so in here, good, but uh, I've been doing some bad things and there's 17 things that I've done that I will never well, be forgiven she's for. She's like, I have this need to confess whenever I do anything bad. Like if I step on a cross, you know, two pieces of straw, like a cross, I have to confess. And he's like, the priest's like, all right, you know, it's okay. She's like, and you know, I like to get people and kill them and there's just so much blood and they, and they cry and I have to work on that and then the priest's like what the fuck and then it just cuts yeah, yeah. the priest is like what do you? and then the, the woman starts like weirdly <laughs> laughing, laughing like yeah. and you're just like what the shit and then it cuts and crime scene yeah. well, they, they splice <laughs> the laughing of the old woman into a woman screaming a, a random like 
churchgoers screaming and they fade those over each other where it sounds like it's the same laugh turning into a scream. And then you realize that there's a woman who's there with her kids. They came into the church yeah. and the, the priest's head's in the fucking holy water. It's crazy, like, man. You don't see it, but like they're actually like zipping up the bag with yeah. his head in it from the like little holy water cup. And in the director's thing. cut, I don't know if they found this footage, but they shot a scene where they open the confessional and the priest is sitting there holding his own head uh, and they Whoa. chose not to go with that one, which I probably, think is... Probably good. Yeah, I like it better just imagining and hearing them explain what happened. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that would work for every movie, of course, but I think it really works with the tone of this movie. Well, with every one of these horrific things, I think if you saw the shock value of the actual like murder, like the actual like, you know, the post, visual, yeah, yeah, the visuals, I think you would, it, it would shock you out of the moment. Right. I think you lose the impact of like, what the fuck? Because everyone's like very like, what the fuck? Oh, well, at least uh, Kinderman is. Yeah. Some of the other cops are like, what do you want me to, what do you want me to dust for prints inside there? We're just going to find the priest prints. And he's like, just him. fucking do it as due diligence, you dickhead. Like, just do your job. And then it turns out to be important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Kinderman spends the entire day at that church. Like he's sitting in the confessional booth, like he's looking out the window. You can see stuff's running through his mind. And I think he's starting to piece together like this er, murder MO is so similar to the one, you know, I forget how long it said the 15 years, 15 years ago from Mm -hmm. the Gemini killer. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So he's like, he's having those flashbacks like, oh shit, this is too similar. And you find out later that they lied to the public about that MO. You know, he's saying like, well, we told him a false story about how he was killing, but he was actually cutting the flesh off of the palm of the hand, not the back. Well, he, said there, was, he was cutting off a finger. Finger, yeah. They the said it was the too. left hand and it was actually the right hand. Like, but it was actually happening in accordance with the proper way that the Gemini well, killer was killing. He's like, nobody knows this. Yeah. So yeah. if it was a copycat, they shouldn't know this. Yeah. Um, so at this point he visits Joe in the hospital cause Joe's like, he's got a cough and I think they're alluding that he has lung cancer cause he's, yes. he's smoking. Right. So this is such a great scene and it shows their friendship, right? He brings him a hamburger and he's like, Oh, I'm not hungry. He's like, eat half. And he's like, uh, it's from wherever. And the fucking guy goes, where's the other half from? He's <laughs> like, uh, oh, fuck. I forgot what he says. I think he says like Mars or something. I and he's wish, such a smart ass. I wish they had explained better why he was in the hospital because out of nowhere I was like, I think this is the priest that was just at the movies it was yeah and i was like wh- he went from being completely healthy at a movie to being well, he, he hospital said, bedded while he's laying on the bed he's like what are you doing in here he's like oh, i'm just running some tests i'm probably okay he's like yeah your brother had the same cough or something yeah he's right? like your brother oh yeah my brother had these same symptoms and then father dyer goes uh and then kinderman goes yeah but your brother died at 30 and father dyer is like yeah but he died in vietnam <laughs> it was like, it's not connected yeah, kinderman's like there could be a connection <laughs> like, yeah. uh, and i was like you're a cop <laughs> yeah so if, it's just loosely saying he's in there getting tests for lung cancer this is about the time when i had to like stop taking notes and like i just have to pay attention to everything <laughs> that's being said here because none of this makes sense to me right now He's, I'm missing something. He's reading like the women's wear weekly or whatever. He's reading like tabloid magazines. He's like, bring me some like national Enquirers. I've read all this stuff. And he's like, what? All of it? And he's like, every single one of them. Let's go. He goes, Shouldn't you be reading the gospel? He's like, I don't get fashion tips from there. And he yeah. goes, that's fair. <laughs> so while he's in the hospital, one of the um, policemen come in and they're like, hey, we got the prince back. The two murders don't have the same prince. And he's like, wait, what? Because Kinderman totally expected this to be the same killer. Yeah. So when Kinderman's done visiting Joe in the hospital, he goes home and we see his family and there's a little bit of family life and he goes to sleep and we get another dream. 
I have a question before we get to the dream because that dream was something else. And I was like, I may be missing the whole point of this movie when I got to that dream. But isn't the hospital, is that where the priest, uh, Father Dyer, says something about the Schwartz? Yes. When Kinderman leaves, he goes, may the Schwartz be with you. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Is that a Spaceballs reference in this fucking Exorcist movie? Father Dyer, also huge John Candy fan. Yeah, well, oh, is, it, is it well because Dyer's favorite movie is The Wonderful Life, and then he asked like Kinderman, like, "What's your favorite movie?" And he's like, "The Fly." And I was like, "There's a lot of like modern references in this movie." Yeah, Spaceballs would have just came out in this movie, like very recently. But I think it, Spaceballs was '86, so it, been like, it was '88. Somebody get Mel Brooks on the phone. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. 1987. Oh, we'll, we'll, split the difference. we'll split the difference. Um, ah, teamwork. That's good to see. Yeah. But they do have like, and they set this up, not set it up, but they allude to it in the first Exorcist and here that they go to the movies every week. Yes. You know, so yeah, another big movie. Yeah, they're heads. big. So I think that's what that's supposed to be, but it's hilarious. Yeah. To be like, just, what the I, fuck? Did he say Schwartz? Yeah. He's like, Schwartz. I was like, I'm sorry. Did I just hear that? And then it was like, what the fuck? And then we cut to the family life. They and also then the implied dream. how shitty this hospital is when that nurse comes in and is like, uh, I'm here for your shots. He's like, what the fuck? He's like, oh, is this room 209? He's like, no, this is 211. Like, oh, yeah. all right. Well, we also hear that other woman in the other room is like, who stuck this patient? And I yeah. was like, what the hell is going on at this hospital? Time to find a new hospital. <laughs> yeah, he goes, peaceful place, isn't it? <laughs> so, yes. You're, oh, yeah, real go- quick, you guys are definitely right. The more like I think back on it, the I wish I had understood the story better because the dialogue was great. And I think I missed a lot of it. Just trying to like figure out what the hell was supposed to be going on. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. So Bill goes home and he goes to bed and then we get another dream vision. And this one's weirder than the last one. And this one has a random Fabio in it. And a random Sam Jackson. And a random Sam Jackson. (laughs) Wait, Samuel Jackson was very young. Samuel Jackson. Was that him? That was him. He doesn't speak. They dub over his voice. Oh, I was like, he looks like Sam Jackson, yeah. but I was like, that's not Sam Jackson's it's, voice. Oh, there's movies full of cameos in the in the, the diner scene. There's a random Larry King in the background. Oh, wow. Yeah. Neat. <laughs> can we talk here for a minute? <laughs> now, John, do you remember the stream sequence? Maybe you can describe it better yeah. than me other than just because I was just dumbstruck. I was like, why is Fabio here? <laughs> well, if you're going to have angels, have a pretty man. All right. There you yeah. Go. <laughs> yeah. So he's in this like. I guess it's the hospital um, and he's walking through it. He sees these angels in very like stereotypical, you know, white robes, wings. One of them is Fabio. Um, and he sees, the, I get it. I mean, I understand, <laughs> you know, he sees the, the little boy who died and he's like, you know, Hey, I'm sorry that you were murdered. And the kid was like, Oh, it's all right. Yeah. The kid is just like, it's cool. And I was like, after what happened to you? No. Yeah, and his head's like on him, but it's all you see stitches all around his neck, you know, where it got stitched back on. Um, he sees a big band playing, and they're just playing like a random song that I didn't didn't have any meaning to me. See, maybe I had, thought that was the song that that lady was singing later on in the the movie. Oh, maybe I thought it was. it was the same song, but I might be mistaken. Um, well, they're playing a, a big band's playing a song, and then he sees Father Dyer, and he's like, "Oh, are you having this dream too?" And his neck's all stitched up, and he's like, "I'm not dreaming." Um, and then the phone rings and they wake up, uh, Bill or Kinderman wakes up and that's when he gets called back to the hospital. I did not expect father Dyer to get killed. Me either. It was such a shock. I was like, Oh, he's dead now. Yeah. Fuck. I liked him. It, it, <laughs> well, I thought he died of whatever he's in the hospital for at first. And then it was all like, so what happened? And I was like, oh, wait, something bad happened here. And the thing is, they don't even fucking tell him. He has to ask, right? So he goes in this room. Well, obviously, they, they know the relationship, right? They know that they're best friends. True. It's like, dude, but I'm going to have to describe lieutenant. this. He is a lieutenant. They should have been like, all right, lieutenant, here's the situation. But you may be a little less 
you know, you may not want to just be out with it. You know, oh, your buddy's head's chopped off and uh, blah, blah, blah. Fair. Blah. I mean, realistically, they would have... Wait, was his head chopped off too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. remember when he leaves the hospital the first time, you actually see a statue with a missing head. Yes, I, I saw that. And, and I was where like... they got the Christ head they put on the kid out. We've got crucified Well, that's the thing. The they made it sound like it was his M.O. And yeah. I was like, cool. But then like... I was like, where's all the blood? And then, the, then I guess, explains. oh, I guess that explains the whole cup thing. Yeah. Well, which, why, don't, why don't you tell us what happened yeah, to yeah, Father Dyer? Yeah, so so the so Kinderman walks in. He's covered with a white sheet. He looks under it, gives him that Kinderman face, and then he looks over to Father Dyer's left, and then he goes, you know, what what what's going on here? And the coroner is like, that is all of Fire Dyer's blood. Not a drop was spilt, not not even on the container. There are no smears. So the Gemini killer, the demon, uh, drained Father Dyer's blood perfectly and put him in little cups on a table right next to him. There was not enough cups there to have an entire human body full of blood. It didn't seem like it. I guess I don't know how much blood's in my body, to be real. There's a lot of blood in your like body, enough. bro. Yeah. There's a lot of blood in your body. Uh, and then he tears, and then there's a curtain over the headboard, and he tears it down, and written in blood is, it's a wonderful life. Yes, which I thought... 4.7 liters of blood. Really, that's What's it? that like in American? Uh, <laughs> a gallon 1. and a half. 1.2 <laughs> to 1.5 gallons. Wait, that's it? Yeah, yeah. so I that think it's might enough fit, cups. Yeah. Okay, that was enough cups. Holy shit. I feel like as big as we are, we'd have more blood I would in have us. agreed. Yeah. I'm as big as I am because of all the fat. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's all it, blood for me. Blood. I guess it is a lot of, like, the blood's only in your veins, so yeah. there's not tons of it. Weird. Right. Learned wow. something new today at the Grave oh, Talk Podcast. Cool. Creepy. Um, this has been the Science Minute with the Grave Talk <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what were we saying before we got distracted? The, it's a Wonderful Life was written in blood on on the wall behind uh, Dyer. Right, was, the Gemini killer's one of his his things is writing that above every corpse he kills. Wonderful with two L's. But Ooh. did it have two L's when it said Wonderful Life? It did. On the wall? Okay. I was about to say, I didn't remember if it actually had that because I knew that they said that's one of the killer's MOs. And I was like, I didn't remember reading that. And I was like, well, then he messed up. But. <laughs> no, he did it because I was looking. I was like, "Why is there two L's?" Full. Life? Oh, yeah. okay, so, okay. Uh, Kinderman uh, George C. Scott does a really good job of showing restraint and not just freaking out right there. Yes, because if one of you guys got your heads cut off and all your blood put in <laughs> jars, I'd be like, "What the fuck is happening right now?" He just, you know, but he just swallows it. Yeah. And he only breaks a little bit later where he kind of Columbia, that Columbia record company's coming back to get to get there. <laughs> I don't I mean, realistically, I know because it's a movie. I mean, realistically, they'd have pulled him off the case at this point, right? They'd oh, be absolutely. Like, your best friend who you've known for, you know, 30 years is just murdered. Damn it, Kenderman, you're too close to this one. <laughs> you can't take some time off. Investigate your best friend's murder. I'm going to need your gun and your badge. That's it. <laughs> uh, so then, and he loses it with the nurse, right? And I don't understand why she was being so difficult. Because she's an asshole. Yeah, that she's That nurse, such a for dick. other reasons, is just an asshole. The old one or the uh, yeah, young the one? old German looking woman. Who's, oh. He's like, when did you last see Dire Alive? 5 a.m. Okay, what did you go do at five? He has to like draw every fucking piece of information. Did you out see of anybody in the hall? Well, that depends. What do you mean? Like, yes. did you see anybody in the hall? He's, she's like, oh yeah, I saw this lady. Oh, okay. Was she standing there? Well, I yeah. wouldn't say that. Like, is now the time? Yes. Uh, yeah. I thought I thought they were propping her up to be this kind of bullish and you know unwilling to talk to, right. because she had something to do with it. No, she's but just, she doesn't. She's yeah. just a bitch. That's like, exactly <laughs> the feel you. you I mean, she's like says these words that sound similar to like gospel warnings and stuff like that and you're like 
weird. She's like, just being she's weird. part of this. But yeah, she's just being a pain in the ass. She, she's just a red herring to what's yeah, actually going on. She could have just led with, hey, there was an unconscious patient right in front of his door. That's a key information <laughs> right. you want to open with. You don't force the cops to drag it out of you. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but but, since you've mentioned it, this hospital seems to also have a dungeon <laughs> with all the crazies in it. Like I was like, what hospital is this? Like they have a whole ward. It has a, pris- a prison level, like lockdown yeah. area. It's called the isolation wing or something like that. Nice and charming name. For uh, it. And they introduced this other doctor who's in charge of the isolation wing. And I don't remember his name. The guy smoking nonstop. Uh, yeah. Chapman chat. Some, something like that. I Chadwick. Feel like. Chadwick Fudgeman. He's a doctor. Dr. Temple. It's Dr. Temple. So Dr. Temple's in charge of this. And yeah, you're right, Garrett. He's just like chain smoking. And they make such a big deal to show like that cigarette's almost done. I'm going to light up this next one. And there's like crushed up packs in his ashtray. He's like, Something wrong with that man. Well, at the first, we meet him again though, don't we? When he's like yes. practicing the lines. Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure that was later. two different times, but yeah, he meets them, and that dude is like nervous. So, oh, holy shit! This is the dude from Walking Dead. Oh, it's uh, Herschel. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Damn. Well, yeah. So after they find out that it's the this lady was passed out in front of the door, they go and they meet Doctor Temple, and he's like, "All right, here's you know, here's." Our crazy person wing. That's rude to say. Yeah, why he, did he show him the crazy person wing? I don't... Well, because that's where the lady was. She's comatose, and she's not supposed to be able to have left there or oh, talk. Oh, because I know they showed the door. They're like, it only opens. One yeah. person's allowed through. It locks behind us. And I was like, how the hell are they getting out of here? So he's showing them all that, and then he's like, hey there's the lady that you want to talk to. And he goes, well, actually, I want to talk about two things. One... God, George C. Scott's such a great actor, right? A lady comes up to him and goes, hey, are you my son? And instead of going, no, he goes, I'd be very proud to believe so. That's Damn. Such a, that's such a perfect line yeah, to that dumb nice thing the, to say yeah. to an old woman who, because they say some of these people have dementia yeah. amnesia and stuff like that. And you're like, oh. And so he said this to be like really kind. And I was like, cool. And she's like, you're not my son. And then like Sorry. walks off all pissed. And I'm like, Damn, lady. Such a nice thing. I would have never in a million years come up with that line on my own. But then he takes her to the other lady and she's like, hey, are you the radio repairman? (laughs) And he's like, uh, yeah. She's like, well, no, you're not because I'm holding a fucking phone. But it's all right. Anyone would have made that mistake. It's like, but she also does say before that he goes, what's wrong with it? And she's like, I hear dead people. I was like, all right, six cents. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, he when he, he asked her, what's wrong with your radio? She says, I hear dead people through it. Um, and he's like, mm, all right, that's unusual. And so then he goes back to Dr. Temple and was like, hey, you're lucky she was chatty today. And he's like, this is not time for a joke, dude. And he's like, no, normally she's comatose. Now, this might be a good time to just mention that he will revisit this ward again. Yes. In one of the creepiest scenes, there's a woman on the ceiling crawling around yeah, yeah but later yeah i think it's the same woman yeah, it is it's yeah, the, the radio, radio woman. lady yeah right? and i was like hereditary <laughs> yeah this movie is an but, inspiration to all the horror movies take yeah. that ari asher you hack ripping off <laughs> exorcist three uh are, are we at the point where he leads him into the room and he meets the gemini killer yeah so how does he he get to see the uh brad dorf he leads him into the dungeon part where he's showing him oh the code changes every day do to do he's walking down the hall and he hears someone say kinderman Okay. Okay. He says Bill. Bill. Yes. Yeah. yeah, He says Bill. And then he takes a step back. He looks in and he sees Brad Dorff's character and it looks just like Father Damien from the first movie. Okay. That's what confused me because I was like, 
because later on when he goes to see Brad Dorf, I was like, he's seeing someone else now. I was like, what is going on? And this is one of the confusing parts for me because while they're revealing that this Brad Dorf's character is in this ward, they start having the death be not proud uh, monologue over it. Those some have called thee mighty and dreadful, thou art not so. And it's like, why, what is this happening exactly? Like, why is this happening? Was yeah. he hearing that you know? or was it just supposed to be am- ambiance? Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, we're setting up the scene for later or what? You know, was he saying it himself in the cell? Yeah. Because he's, his head is just Because I thought, I thought that he was saying it in the cell. I thought he was actually like I saying it. I also thought that, but it, yeah, it, it is confusing. I do admit that. And this movie does do weird things with sound. Like, you know, Garrett had mentioned, there's always something going on, like in the background of the audio between light, like weird chanting or weird words. But yes, I, I don't really know where that's supposed to be coming from within the film unless it's not like. Yeah. And just to be exact, that that particular that speech is from the Holy Sonnet 10 <laughs> written in 1500, 1600 time frame. So it's really old. Ah, the golden 15s. Yeah. Ah, yes. Um, so then he's walking down the hall and he gets distracted and then someone's like, look, the director of the hospital, whatever his name is, freaking out because when he had left father Dyer's room. He's like, look, I want cops everywhere. Nobody gets in, nobody gets out. Uh, And I guess finally word got up to management and they pull him in and they're like, what the fuck are you? Cannot do this. You're causing a panic. You need a warrant. And this is where he finally like snaps. He's like, listen, people are dying. It's a Gemini killer. Here's, you know, this is where he tells him that information about the right and left fingers and the skin. Which is weird that he give that information up to the, the doctor. Yeah. But he's well, big, he's not the doctor, right? He's, he's the, the guy that, he's the director of the hospital. He's the guy that but runs still, the place. But still, if you put out false information about a killer, it'd be weird that you'd give out the correct information all of a sudden. I think but, maybe he just needed to get it out. He's maybe. Like, listen, dude, you need to shut the fuck up and listen to what I have to say. Yeah, right, fair. He yeah. yells at him. I can't remember what he yells, but he like actively... It's something like, shut your fucking mouth yeah. or something like, like that. finally cracks, right? Yeah, he um, loses it. And he starts tearing up. He starts crying a yeah. little bit for the loss of his friend. Like, so he's finally st- showing some of that emotion he's been trying to hide. Uh, and this is about the time, I think, where we link the murders are linked to the exorcism in the first movie. Yeah. Right. Now, where is that connection made? Yeah. How is that done? I think Bill goes and talks to the leader of the diocese or something. Yeah. And he's the one's like, well, it's because of that exorcism, dude. The Reagan ex. Well, because he goes, hey, do you believe in exorcists? And he's like, I don't know. What does it matter, dude? I got fucking, you know, real problems to deal with. And then it leads into one of the only jump scares in the movie. There's like two where he gets distracted in this church. He can hear whispers on the wind and he's walking through this really dark church because um, the power had cut out and then he bumps into like a secretary. One oh, that's right. Amy. Yeah. Amy, yeah, who's like delivering a speech or whatever and then he brings it back up and the power Which is really weird. Off. She was like, oh, good, you can give him his speech. And I was like, a priest is a speechwriter? But he's the president of the university of Georgetown, I think is what he's oh, supposed to be. that was a university. I thought that was a church. Yeah, this is all taking place at Georgetown University. Gotcha. So the hospital, because that's where gotcha. the first movie also took place in Georgetown. And the, so he wasn't a man of the cloth? Like, I, I literally Well, Georgetown thought- University is a Catholic university. Okay. Yeah, so, so it would be like Yeah, a, everyone there okay. is priests and also, you know, scholars. Gotcha. And is this the same white-haired guy who shows up at the end? No, that's a, a different, different guy. I thought we're, I, we're introduced before he goes to the, the college to talk to the, the president yeah, of Georgetown. Father Morning or whatever. We, we cut to a scene where uh, Father Morning is in his room and he's like listening to this little baby bird he has in a box chirp. The bird stops making noise and he goes and looks and the bird is dead. Yeah. Another instance where we kill an animal. Mm. Um, Aww, but true. I mean, 
it, this wasn't gory at least, but like the bird's dead and then like some weird wind starts blowing in and the crucifix flies off the wall onto the floor. And then he's like, okay, that's weird. Morning is like, oh, it's time to do some battle. He yeah. like knows right away. But again though, like out of nowhere this character is introduced, out of nowhere he's like some shit's up and then we cut away from it and it's like, don't worry about him. And yeah. I'm like, why even talk about him yet? He's a studio like, you know, in injection and I think in the book he's more involved or something or involved differently. Okay, so this was added but pretty much this is studio mostly. stuff. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. But the university president it felt weird that it was added in there. Does say like, oh yeah, this guy, he's done some exorcisms, you know, go talk to him. Referring but, to morning. Yeah, to referring okay, to morning. Okay. But I don't think they ever cross paths. I can't remember a scene where Kinderman and Morning except not at the very, the very end. Not end. to the very end, yeah. Um but the university president does mention this guy's done exorcisms before if you are, you know, if you need that if you shit. Need that. Yeah. At this point, the information is delivered that, oh, by the way, the ladies in the in the crazy ward has her fingerprints on those jars next to your dead friend with all the blood. Oh, oh right. that's right. So the he's old like, lady, right? Yeah, the old the woman about the radio. Yes. yes. And he goes back and talks to her and she's like, that's not my radio. Because she's sitting next to the, the body now with the jars and they're like, why is your fingerprints on these? And she's like, that's not my radio. My radio is newer. <laughs> And it was like, okay, that's all we're getting out of her. Yeah. Also, in that scene, though, it's important. The radio, the lady, the comatose radio mm-hmm. lady is um, like you get the idea that she's not capable of moving around and doing anything physically, really. Right. Like, it's not that she doesn't remember what she did, but like, it also looks like there's no way she's physically capable of this. Like her mind, her body is just not She's not there. faking it. That radio isn't mine. Mine is newer. About this time, Dr. Temple shows up and he's like, hey, man. I think I got somebody you need to talk to. We found this dude 15 years ago and he was in a comatose state. The weirdest fucking segue. Like this came up and I was like, you never thought to mention any of this before. Especially when he saw Kinderman look in the same there's guy's a, cell. There's a plot explanation for that. Okay, go ahead then. So he's like, okay, we brought this guy in the same day that the Gemini killer died. We brought him in. He's been comatose for years, but has past six months, he's gotten better every single day. <gasps> Is this where Dwarf later explains that he mm-hmm. had to rebuild this guy's brain? Yes. Right. And into, he, okay, right on. Sorry to spoil anything, but like, he, holy shit. He also explains, yeah, I had to put this doctor up to it because I told him if he didn't, I would punish yeah, him. Dr. Simple was working for the Gemini killer, quote unquote. That's why he didn't mention it. Was Dorif? Yeah, Dorif. Said, you got to help me. Or I'll punish you. So Dr. Temple's like, let's go talk to him. He's getting better. He can speak. And I think he might have said something like he's asking for you or something so like when he, that. That was the Gemini killer putting the doctor up to it. So the doctor was told to bring yes. Kinderman to him. Yep. Correct. Okay. See, I couldn't figure out later on. He's like, I had the doctor. He's so gullible. I told him something bad would happen and he believed me. I didn't know what the doctor was supposed to be doing. Yeah, and I like, guess it was to bring Kinderman into yeah, he, this cell. He's exactly. like, I know that you would fall for it and come in and talk to me. It was all a setup. He didn't intend for the doctor to kill himself. He's like, I guess he couldn't handle the stress. They find the doctor like way OD'd on some fucking yeah. like, injections. Kinderman goes and talks to patient X. Yeah. Gemini killer. Slash Every whatever. scene with Kinderman and Brad Dorf could be like an acting class. Every single one of them is Master exceptional, class. dude. It's so exceptional. It's such a good scene. And I don't, I don't even think I could do this scene justice by describing it. All right, John, me and you're going to play this out. I'll be Brad <laughs> Dorf and you're going to be Kinderman. I don't okay. remember any of the lines. So Just make it up as you script. go. Billy, listen up. I'm the Gemini killer, and you need to tell everybody because I'm I'm working hard at this. 
the Gemini killer's dead. I fucking saw him die because I'm a cop and I did that. Ah, uh, Corinthians 17.22. No, that that I am the Gemini killer. Go tell them now. Mm, I'm not going to do that. Also, Legion, not the X-Men, but the other Legion. We are many. The original Legion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And scene. God, we nailed it. That was, that perfect. was great. Yeah. You guys, I, I was like, you were Brad Dorff and you were George C. Scott. Thank you. So good. I, I I'm so impressed with my... I'd like to thank Jesus and my family. I'm going to thank Satan. We got to have the duality here. So, yes, in between all of the uh, religious, antithetical, you know, babble that Dorf's doing, we find that his main thing that he wants, he's like, you tell everybody. You put it on the news. You tell them that I am the Gemini killer or I'm going to fuck with you. I'm going to punish you, he says. Yes. Yeah. He's like, I'm back, baby. And I, I, he tells this like really sad but amazing monologue story where he's like, you know, I picked this this little girl up and I drove her to the woods and then I killed her and I left her body there. Well, most of her body. Some of it's Damn. here. I'm a saver. Yeah. I have some of it still. And I was like, what? Like, it, it's so creepy. And he's telling him things that like at this point, Kinderman knows this guy has Gemini killer information. There's no way he could not know this stuff. There's right. no way he because could know this that stuff. particular murder was not told to the public. Yeah. Yes, and he exactly. has inside information like he should know this at all. Yes. And so at that point, Kinderman is officially like, what is up? This dude knows Gemini information, but the Gemini killer's dead. And he says that. He's like, there's no way that dude died 15 years ago. I watched him die. And he's like, and then he starts saying some like biblical stuff that yeah. kind of is very cryptic. And then he starts poking at him about Father Damien. And he's like, hey, I'm going to invite you to the dance, you know, and we know his daughter, we find out earlier, goes to dance classes, right? And he's like, oh, he's in here with me. He's he's, he's tortured. We're never going to let him go. And he just needles him, needles him, needles him till he fucking punches him, man. And that's like the second time we see him sort of break again. Yeah. And when he hits him, that's when he's like, oh, I see you want an invitation to the dance. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck. Shouldn't have done that, Bill. Mm, yeah. Bad move, Kinderman. And we cha cha slide. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and this is the scene that, uh, in the in the theatrical cut, it's interwoven with the original actor that played Damian Karras and Brad Dourif. So it is a little off-putting at first. Like, why does it keep changing to this older dude? He meets with Dorf the first time. He finds that information about the killer, like the kill that he should know. He leaves. He goes and does a little like own personal like research and kind of well, like... He does that after he punches him because remember, he goes to the nurse. The nurse is taking care of him. And the nurse says something like, save your saviors or whatever. Save, save your servants. servants. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, there, and, there, and he goes, why did you say that? Yeah. And is that because Dyer said that before or something? I, or? Think, it, I think it's just a weird thing that say and then okay. she's like yeah i something that duh. he says that and it always stuck with me yeah and that's again i thought she's in on this because she she's in on this she's dropping information that he specifically needs here <laughs> i think she's in on needing to move the plot along <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so then he goes and it's not like the normal trope but he does go hit the books and find the saying yeah he goes like a church or something like that and is like looking through these like weird churches and he manuscripts finds it. and yeah and what is the name of that um that chapter that book that he's looking it's at it's like exorcism yeah, yeah it was something the, exorcism. Ritual, the Roman the right, ritual. The rites of the yeah. exorcism. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. And so he he's piecing it together. And then he goes back this time. And, and this is where he starts talking to Dora. So basically, he's poking at him and he's getting information. Yeah. He's like, I don't believe that you're really the Gemini killer. He's like, you will tell them. And then he starts getting more into the meat. And as you said, he, you realize that like he might have people inside him. Yeah, he tells... Well, he reveals how he entered the body. Yes. And this is, a, this is such okay. a great reveal, right? He's like, it was so masterful what the master did and how he did it. 
He's like, as Karis' spirit was he leaving the He threw me a scrap, body, which I thought was great to yeah, say. Yeah, the master threw me a scrap. <laughs> so he's like, as Karis' spirit was leaving his body, he slipped my spirit in. But the problem was the body had been dead for too long and the brain had turned into jelly. Yeah. And it's taken me 15 years to repair the brain cell by cell. Whoever wrote this... Um, whatever Peter Blatty. Yep. Blatty did a great job. He was like, he's like, we're spirits, but we can only interact through physical beings. And he was like, I have to use the, the brain synapses. I have to use the, like the physical mind to actually do. So like, he tells like, him there's no magic like yeah. in this world. Yeah, basically, basically saying like spiritual, my, the spiritual stuff exists, but I have to use the, the science physical form of what you guys exist in this box. you call your world. Like he's bound by the rules of our world. Yeah. And he love how he, he really, like counts the story of the exorcist in such like almost legal terms. He's like certain parties expelled certain other parties <laughs> yeah. from a certain girl's body. Plaintiff B. Yeah. And certain parties were very unhappy about that. It would be interesting if this was like another studio that made this movie and they were bound that they couldn't <laughs> yeah. use anything for movie. One. So is the master Pazuzu? I think so. Or, or it might be Satan. It's confusing. Lucifer. He Beelzebub. does say, um, he goes, who? And he's like, I can't tell you. And he goes, why? He goes, it's forbidden. Yes. And I was like, whoa. But then he said like certain parties are really upset about that. Yeah. I was like, whoa, was Pazuzu related to the story? Like, is I that- think Pazuzu is who's in the body right now. I think the master is Satan. So you think the Gemini killer was Pazuzu? Or you think Pazuzu was basically using the Gemini well, he, killer as legion. a... There's so many people yeah. inside that body right now. The Gemini killers in one there of them. with them. One of Along them in with there. Damien Karras. Oh, fucking A, dude. That's crazy shit. Yeah, there's a lot of people inside of the body of Damien. I mean, right I knew now. he had a lot of people in it, but I didn't think about like the Gemini killer just being one of those. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Yo, just, this shit's crazy, yeah, dude. And then when you connect it to the movie one where poor Damien Karras fell down the stairs breaking his neck, you thought that was the end of the yeah. poor father. No, he is now a vessel for and, demons. And, and uh, Brad Dorff's character says this. He's like, it's beautiful. And he, because the first meeting, that's where he talks about how he kills them and drains the blood. And it's an yeah. art form. And he's like, you show the, the, Nobody the head, appreciates the body. It. He's like, there's artistry to what I do. And that's the first run in. That's when he gets punched. Yeah. Then when he comes back, he under, he reveals the Legion stuff. And at this point, he's like, and it's beautiful because he has to watch me do this. Like Damien, the priest is having to watch me and dire. And all these people are having to like, watch me like kill these people. Yeah. Knowing that it's me, like the dude that he expelled, like it's me, baby. It's horrible. And it's like, and that's when they start cutting to the different actors. And yes. that fucked me up. I was like, wait, who is this now? Is it the same room? And then I didn't, I think, I think it would be better if it was just Dorif. I agree. Uh, but it is effective too. I think I'm going to like both versions, honestly. I think I'm going to like them for different reasons. Yeah. The theatrical and the director's cut. At this point he leaves and we've got a nurse that's going through and checking all the doors and she thinks she heard something and this scene made the me young, the young jump. the young blonde nurse. Yeah, this scene made me jump. Oh, the second she looks like Linda jumps. Hamilton. I was like, is that Linda Hamilton? Oh, well, before he leaves, um, uh, what is it? Uh, the Gemini killer. I'm just calling Dorf because that's who he's got so I many call people. Call him inside. Patient X. Patient or X. Okay, Gemini yeah. killer is the same. And so he gives um he gets he tells Kinderman he's like, oh, you're not listening to me. You will go tell them I'm the Gemini killer, or there's going to be one more tonight. And he makes like a vague threat about this nurse. Like cutting off her head, and then that's when we cut to this scene. And they show her going through, checking the rooms, locking the doors. And I doesn't she bust into one of them by accident? And then there's a jump scare of yeah, one of the patients. Yeah, she hears like a rustle sound. Well, and the she, door's open. Yeah. Yeah, she looks in. She opens it, and it 
like ice that had melted and the patient jumps up he's like what the fuck why are you you waking me up it's bad enough you wake me up at five in the morning for breakfast this is harassment i'm gonna report you (laughs) what's your name i love that he goes what's your name and she goes so and so and like he just like flat out gives it to him she does not care she's like it's alan keating or whatever it's with a k because everyone he kills has a k that was one of the gemini killers mo's yeah but did he mean to because he said it's like a happy he said it was a coincidence he was trying to kill people around bill but hey look i found a k (laughs) everyone knows k cool cool so uh, she's going and checking all the rooms, like I said, and she goes in this one room and it's the shot is from down the hall. Yeah. It's not closed up. It's a full scene. And, and a lot of the cinematography was interesting in this film, too. I don't know if you noticed. Stationary camera shots. With just people acting both yes. in the scene. The camera right. did not move it was a lot. Like, specifically in this scene, in the far back, you see there is a security guard on the floor now. They did put a cop on there, but he gets but distracted. But he, he goes to get a cup of coffee. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's a long it's a long shot down a hallway where you see her at the desk on the right side of frame and then you see a room on the left side of frame and then like along the, the hall there's a bunch of doors but yeah you see her walk from the desk into a room and then walk back to the desk and and she locks the door wait did she lock the yeah. door I watched it five times she locks it she locks that door closed oh she turns fuck around no she turns around that door blasts oh. open as someone wearing a complete white bodysuit of some kind with medical shears and she's like right behind her and it just goes around the corner and you're like yeah. fuck yeah, yeah fuck. I guess we should talk about the weapon this, that this comes scene, up yes the scene where they like <laughs> there's like these in industrial scissors that they're spring loaded scissors that can basically just lop a head off. Yeah. That they're like, Oh, these are, you know, very easy to open, but when they close, they can cut a head off and Kinderman, you know, so it's the mortician basically showing them and Kinderman sees it is like, Hey, this one is new. It's got a label on there. And he goes, uh, what happened to the old one? And they never answer. It just cuts at that question. That's Terrifying it. scissors. And my understanding is they don't actually exist. Um, were they just made up for this movie? They were just movie? made up for this movie. There's no oh, it's such an effective weapon. There's though. no <laughs> medical instrument. Um, and well, the other part that I read, use like saws and stuff. Yeah. Like that. Is that springs don't work that way. They can't put out more force than you put into them. They're not magic. So if they're very and strong, that's just science, baby. Yeah. If they're very strong, they're going to be very hard to open. This figure basically comes right behind her and then boom, cut to Kinderman <laughs> basically back. Like, but cut to her not having a head. <laughs> and Kinderman was like, why am I back here again? But now it's like the killer was, uh, what did he do? He like he cut, he her, cut head her open and then he, slid her down the middle yeah. and stuffed her full of rosary beads. Right? Yes. What? Yeah. yeah. Because he oh, goes, I missed that. He sliced her open and f- then filled her up with other material and sewed her up. And Kinderman, because nobody in this movie just tells the fucking police, the lead detective key information has to ask, what are the other materials? And he goes, rosary beads. And that was actually the the threat that um, Dorif gave Kinderman before he left was something about beads. Like, so like this made sense. This connected that ki- this killing to what um, patient X Gemini killer Dorif literally said before he left that that previous day at the same time i don't remember how he finds out but we find out the doctor's dead too dr temple had killed himself because then he goes and talks to dorif like right afterwards oh yeah i guess he couldn't take it i didn't even possess him he didn't say i possessed but he's like i didn't even have to do anything with him he just couldn't like couldn't take it. handle the stress yeah he reveals that hey guess what i don't actually leave the cell bro yeah. I am body hopping inside of the crazy ward and I'm taking him over and that's how I'm doing all this. Comatose people are so easy to possess. He's like, I just, I talk, I work with my old friends. That's how he, we ask, how do you get out? And he's like, he's old like, friends. I'm a traveling man. Yeah. And I was like, what? Oh, okay. Everything Dorif says is super cryptic, yet very like, 
it answers the question. Yes, it does, but it, the way he says it, it's like riddly. Yeah, riddly goes kind of back to the, how the exorcist in the exorcist how Pazuzu originally answered Father Damien's question. So that makes sense, and it would be Pazuzu, yeah. and he's basically using the fucking Legion. At, he, oh, dude, this is crazy. He, he says old friends because he's body hopping in the old people, physically old people. So. Bill Kinnerman's trying to figure out where this is leading, right? The, the invitation to the dance has been extended, given, extended right? <laughs> he's asking the prom. Yeah. <laughs> and he's walking on air. You have my answer. I'm walking on sunshine. Woo-hoo. So he's wandering through the hospital, just trying to piece it all together. And uh, he goes into a dark room, one of the rooms of the hospital. There's like this little kid in there. Dorf says, you know, like he, he's like leaning back. He's like, little Jack Horner, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's a kid named Corner. He's like, it's child's play. And there's a kid named Corner, K, motive. Mm. And then he sees a nurse walking away with a bag. And he's like, oh, my God, that's got to be. He's going to go kill, kill that kid, Corner slash Horner, whatever. And he runs in there. And then he's all like, what are you doing? And the little kid's like. Ah, and the lady's like, you get out of here. You don't have any right to be here. Do you treat your own family this way? Oh, oh some clicks. And then he has a flashback. Like he hears like Dorf being like, you know, like dance, the dance, the invitation. And then the nurse's name is the same name as his daughter. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh shit, he's going to get my daughter. He gets on the phone and he's like trying to call his daughter, but it's busy, right? Right. He's an old school beep, 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 busy tone. To try to warn her. Well, she picks up the phone and has a conversation. Well, yeah, his wife is talking to his him. His wife's already on the phone. Like his yeah. wife is, and you think you think that he just called his wife to let her know, like, hey, someone's Hey, we're sending over to- a nurse. She's gonna hang out, just let her whatever. And, and like, the mom's oh, like, okay. okay, no problem. And then we cut back to um, Kinderman. Kinderman and um I cut you off before you could forget. And thank you, appreciate <laughs> it. And he's got a busy tone. Like he's like he can't get through to his house. So like, who the hell was his wife just talking to? And that's when you know, like, oh, that's a yeah. fake. Phone and he call. screams like, "Get in the car! Get in the car! We gotta go to my house right now!" And this whole scene, and we're introduced to like Stella from the Golden Girls hanging out in this house. <laughs> What's his mother-in-law? Remember, he says his, my was? mother-in-law's yeah, okay. there. She's the carp lady. I wonder if they're cooking the carp right now. I hope so. That'd well, they be, are cooking, aren't yeah, they? they? Yeah, they are. She's, she's great in carrots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So while they're in there, this old woman is just kind of hanging out. The nurses. And then Bill busts in. He's like, oh, look out. And they're like, hey, why'd you send this weird little lady in here? And she's like, can I go home now, please? What's great, too, before like before he gets there, though, like this was I think this scene's really underrated as they're driving there. Like you see the old lady in the taxi cab going towards his house. And then you see him in the other car with the other cop. And he's like, fucking mount the curb. I don't care. Yeah. Ram them out of the way if you have to. Kinderman is losing his shit. It's awesome. Like it's a great. Like uh, this is the cop. moment where you're just like, he's no longer Kinderman the cop. He's like Kinderman the survival guy. And yeah. Like he's like, just ram the cars, mount the curb. It doesn't matter. And then yeah, he comes to the house. Guns bla- like they have their guns out. Right. He says like he tells the other cop, go around back. I'll go in front. And his wife's like, this nurse just passed out as soon as she got here. Yeah. yeah which this I literally thought the movie was gonna do something to the effect of the spirit is now jumped into one of your family. Family members. See, I thought that's where they were going with. I it. thought this was a red herring, and he was actually going comatose. somewhere else. True. The, the rules are they have to be yeah. comatose. But I thought we were going to lead down a path of now he's going to have to have like a standoff against one of his family members. Instead, I think the movie does something slightly weaker. So, but, but I guess the to backtrack a little, uh, the nurse does pop up, pull out the shears, almost cuts Julie's head, but her grandma like grabs her hair and pulls her right out at the last second. Right as the shears are closing. Shh. Oh, it was like, really well shot. Uh, and then now the, the nurse slash old lady uh, has like super strength, right? She 
fucks Kinderman up. She fucks the other she's cop up. She's flinging people across the room. Yeah. She's punching them into the ceiling. She's like flipping over tables. And this is an old woman who didn't know where she was or right. anything. And it's like, and finally, oh he's God. just like choking Kinderman to death. And it looks like it's all over. And then she screams and just collapses. And I don't know if movie one touched on this, but definitely the exorcist book does is when these people get possessed, they can have super strength. Oh no. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think that's just like a, yeah. a known. The movie, the movie does touch on it. Cause at one point Reagan just smacks her mom all the way yes. across her bedroom. Right. So it's not a surprising new power set. It's no. been, it's no. been introduced in the previous. Films. And I think through, through, a media alone we've all kind of accepted if you're possessed by a demon or whatever you get like the powers super powers. You get, like super like knock people around powers right so right about this time we get the, the priest that you talk about the silver silver haired priest is going to do an exorcism on patient x and that's why you realize the woman stopped because right. he got zapped back to the home base because yeah because the priest the demon, showed up the, the demon did. yeah the, the demon priest got shows up to be like all right i'm taking care of this nonsense it's fucking which go was, time which was weird though because again we've only met father morning once One who realizes time for go time how does he know where to go i mean i guess to the power of like the lord or whatever yeah this is like the the weakest part of the movie is the setup but i really do and like they also the let this I'm random seeing. priest into the downstairs like dungeon locked area well, they did say he's the chaplain assigned to the hospital. Oh, okay. they like it's like a throwaway line they okay. mentioned one time, like so. Yeah, it's I, a bit of a stretch, but and to have him do the exorcism, you know, it's all set up that there's only specific priests that do this. This isn't a yes. common thing, and you but have they, to get approval. But they did from, say earlier from the diocese, right? Yeah, that part's true. Yeah, he's supposed to get approval. They did. We saw lay, Hell Baby. Yeah. <laughs> they did lay the foundation that he has done an exorcism before. Oh, did they? Yes. yes. Okay. The, the they president said, of Georgetown is saying like, like, well, this this priest, like, he's had history with this stuff. You might want to talk to him. His hair went all white when he did it. And then Kinderman's like, oh, is that true? And the university president's like, I don't know. Does it matter? Okay. I completely <laughs> Except this guy's that. like 35 with white yeah. hair. So yeah, it has to be true. So they laid the foundation that he does know how to do exorcisms. Okay. And they very, very quickly threw away a line of how he could get into this room. Yes. But this is the part I believe that was added by the studio. Yes, this right? whole thing was like, look, you can't have an exorcist movie without having an exorcism. Right, they weren't going to do that. There wasn't supposed to be an exorcism in this film. Kinnaman was just going to shoot Brad Dorf. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's, wow. Because this whole movie's playing out, and I was like, this is a very far stretch for an exorcist movie. Yeah, I think that would have been a weaker ending, to be honest. I like this ending with the priest and with Kinderman coming in and him sort of completing this arc of going from a non-believer to a believer. Like, Well, let's just quickly get through the end here. Yeah. We're, we're right here, right? So while Bill is dealing with his family, he's hopping back in the car to drive straight back to the hospital while the exorcism's happening. Yes. It's not going so well. No. He's seeing cobras. There's fire everywhere. He's like, all this stuff's getting thrown at him. Fuck that scene. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, the priest is inside the room. Father Morning is in there and he's all like doing the whole like, Latin and all that shit like that, the exorcism stuff. I don't understand why these priests always got to do the give us our day, our daily bread. Like, why would that be the thing you recite to the demon? That's Have you ever had standard. bread, baby? That's well, that's, just, there's, I know, it's <laughs> just such a standard prayer. In the Roman ritual, that's how you're supposed, there is a guideline of prayers that you are supposed to do step 
step by step by step. And I think that's like, it's a set list. The, that, that particular prayer, cause it came from Jesus is considered to be a very powerful. Oh, because oh, if okay. we did it yes. all right, right on, I'll give you that. But it's like, always just like, Oh man, this is the one kids say like yeah. every day. Why it's are you doing trope. that? Yo, it's, well, if just it works and they're like, I pledge allegiance to the United <laughs> States of America. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like he's, he's doing his little prayer thing and then it cuts to the room where the looks, the, the angle of the camera is like low. So it looks like the floor is on fire. Yeah. There's cobras and snakes everywhere. Awesome scene. And it's because the priest is like, blah, 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 blah. And Dorf is just sitting there like, bitch, bring it on. Like, you yeah. got nothing yeah. on me, the son. The priest mad fucked up because it's always supposed to be two. That's why they called in the exorcist in the exorcist movie. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, but yeah, he's down there. Junior. There was way too many snakes in that scene. There was a lot of snakes. <laughs> oh, I was not happy with that. It was that. Indiana Jones level snakes. I was so, and then like, he's all like. Legion level snakes. Do you? He's like, do you feel them like crawling up your spine and then there's like snakes like on his neck and on his leg. I was like, nope, I'm out. Like I'd be like, demons win. I'm yeah. done, guys. <laughs> but to his credit, he don't flinch. He just keeps on no, a truck. He's a professional at this. He, and the priest gets blasted against the wall and now he's just like almost in a crucified Like force position. blasted yeah. by right. Dora. This is why you're supposed to have a backup priest that throw holy water when this kind of crazy shit happens. Well, because when the priest first goes in, he throws holy he's water like, on Dora and he's like up. burning. <laughs> yeah, he's like burning. He's like, ah, oh, that's how he gets sapped out yeah. of the old lady. Yes. I'm going to sprinkle a little shut the fuck up juice on your head yeah. right now. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Excuse me. God's talking here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going so hot for him. And then he starts getting flung around on the ceiling and then his face like melts into the stone well, or something. He's, I think he's trying to just get the down. So he pulls his skin like off of his body essentially as he's well, trying to get no, down from Mark's the ceiling. right. Before he starts, oh, gross. Before he does that, you realize that like his face, his ear and his yeah. side of his face has been like burnt to like uh, Freddy Krueger yeah. lever crisp on the ceiling. And then I think you're supposed to realize that his back has been cooked onto the ceiling and then he's trying to get down and he rips his skin off like like a fucking like like pulling like the skin off a piece of chi fried chicken. It's yeah. just grody. It's now, that the, was studio stuff. It, it, mm -hmm. it is the most explicit scene in the movie, and it feels out of place with the rest of the but film. That's where I like it. I feel like the film finally like earned it, right? It, yeah, it's okay, right? Because this is this is the climax. Yeah. This is where shit goes tits up. Yes. It's not like, oh, every, oh, great, another scene with gore. It's like, whoa, like, you know this is serious. One thing, I did you, not expect to see any level of that gore in right. this movie. So it, like, shocks you, right? Right, which is like awesome. It's incredible how when you earn it, just a little bit of gore can seem so shocking. Yeah. So some time passes and Bill makes it back to the hospital and he busts into the room and he's looking around. And he's like, what the shit? And then he sees the priest dead on the ground. Yeah. He, they start talking again. Kinderman is like, you're fucking done. And he was all like, no way. You know, you can't stop me. Yada, yada, yeah, yada. He draws yada. a gun. And as soon as he does, Bill gets, uh, Kinderman gets pinned to the wall, just like the priest. You know, he's up against the wall. Yeah. And He's like, do you believe now, Bill? And he's like, I'm a believer. I believe in disease. I believe in death. So what I think, he starts rattling off yeah. all this horrid shit. And I think his line of work has brought him to only believe in the bad side of it and not the good side. Well, that's what I, I was saying. He was when he's revealing. like, I believe. I was like, does he believe in like the dark, the hell, the, the like it, Lucifer? At it this seems point? like he only believes in evil. 
not good. Well, I thought I thought they were trying to do this whole like because I've seen all this and I believe that yeah. these things exist, there has to be a positive to balance it out. But they did not make that clear. It sounded like he just accepted the dark side. Well, I think he, like, <laughs> I'm cool being a Sith, bro. Let's yeah. go. Right. I, well, like how I kind of read it is that he was saying like, yeah, I believe that you are the devil. That you, well, not the devil, but you are a yes. demon that. Father Karras is possessed. I believe, and to believe all that, of that. You have to believe the, the whole, greater, yes. yeah, the whole. You know, that's cos- what I got out of it too. Uh, universe that comes with that, the whole you know, Christian cinematic universe, if you will. <laughs> the the C's, the CCU, C-C-U, CCU, yeah, yeah, yeah. CCU. Um, hey, I, next Avengers movie, Jesus is in it. Ooh, this, next month on the CCU. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as they're doing this, Father Morning actually turns out isn't dead, so he's crawling toward a crucifix and he holds it up to uh, Patient X, and he's like, Damien fight i know you're in there i know you can hear me like and how, fight him. how did he know that damien was in there in that university president scene they dump a lot of father morning's connections and i'm like 99 okay. sure they mentioned they've crossed i think you're right i think or, you're right like yeah he said he was like his protege friend. yeah some like, nonsense he like looked that. up to him and that's why you yeah. know yeah so it opens up a window for damien to briefly regain control of the body and he's like, do it, Bill, do it, but blam. And he, Bill just shoots him like three times in the chest. Yeah. Now, which I they think, don't show him actually doing. They show it off screen. Yes. Yeah. I think it would have been more powerful if the only time we saw the original Damien actor was here. Yes. That would have been cool. I agree with you. But, so, right, Damien regains control and uh, is, is I guess, finally is, is put at rest. Yeah, well, to he's his managed Bill. to like push down. Father Damien. I want to say that because we keep saying Damien. I think we're so used to like Damien being an evil name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like people enough. could be thinking that like okay. Damien's one of the people inside. Um, I mean, Father Karras, the yes, character yes. from part one. Yes, who fell Father down the Karras. Stairs well, they kept saying Damien now. and then Father Karras. And I was like, are these two separate people? I can remember Karras, the same person. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And he shoots him and that's pretty much the end. I think we watch him bury. Well, he walks up to him and like, he's like, and then you hear voiceover like in the air. It's like, now finish it. And he point blanks, puts one more through um, Dora's head just to make sure to like <laughs> expel Karras and all the people inside this. Which you should. Yeah. And my real only complaint with this movie is the fact that it ends so abruptly. Yeah. It shows Kinderman standing over the grave as I guess they're lowering the body body in and, and then credits. Of Damien Karras, yeah. 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 I could have used a little more of like what him, happened to him morning? talking to his family, maybe talking to the university president again. Well, I think just a little more wrap up. They had to end there because how is he going to explain any of the movie kind of wrote itself into a real life corner. Like he's a cop. We just killed a patient who's technically straight jacketed. That's what I'm saying. But yeah. I want that. I was like, what happened? Like Bill just without it knowing what went on in that room, he just killed the patient. Yeah. And what? the priest is dead. Like how does he explain? Well, was the priest dead? Was morning dead? Yeah. I, I think he died, he died after from his wounds. Yeah. I th- see, I think a good, I think a, maybe it would have been cheap, but I think I would think I was like, have morning, like basically like give me the gun. We'll say I did it. Yeah, but then how did he Leave. lose his surface revolver to an injured priest? There's no good outcome here for Kinder. Well, yeah, no doubt. But I'm saying there, uh, to Mark's point, yeah. we could have had anything that kind of made it like, okay, wait, how did this happen? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I needed more resolution is what I'm getting at. Or any kind of direction after what just happened. But otherwise, this movie is fantastic.
This is one of the best Agreed. sequels I've seen to a movie book, whatever yeah. you call it. I think reading the book really gives you a lot more, though. I do. I've never read Legion, but now I want to go read the book. I definitely want to read the yeah. book, too. Please yeah. do, and let me know if they have more of an, uh, like an epilogue, because what does the family do after being attacked by that old woman with demon powers? Yeah. The, the, the cops saw it, too. He was there. Yeah. You know, like, Father Morning is basically just, like, ripped apart i don't know if he died but it sounds like he did you know like there's so much there he did shoot a fucking patient point blank <laughs> like it's like what happened to any of this he executed a patient i mean he fucking you yes. know we know why he did it but yeah so while i was looking into this i found out that in 2004 they released a exorcist prequel Oh. Did you guys know this? Yes. And then they released a competing Exorcist prequel. Wait, right. what? So, so year one, this guy writes a screenplay. He writes two screenplays. He's like, okay, I'm going to do the Exorcist uh, prequel. Here's your option A, option B. They go with option A. They put it out. It sucks. Nobody likes it. It's so bad. They come dude. back to him next year. They take option B and make that the movie. And it's like, here's an alternate prequel to the Exorcist. What? Yeah. And they were one year apart. Dude, the that Exorcist is franchise is a clusterfuck. But you know what is actually good? That was only on for two seasons. The Exorcist TV show. Was that related to the the universe? Yeah, it's in the same universe. Or is it a retelling or what is I, it? It's, I think it's following the same demon essentially, but it's set in modern times with new characters. Um, and uh, it was actually really, it's really a good sort of episodic kind of police procedural type take okay. on it. it hmm. Highly recommend it. Uh, like an X-Files, if you will? Kind of, yes, it almost <laughs> is like an X-Files, except with the Exorcist, an Exorcist Files. So kind oh. of like the what's it, the Conjuring people? Yeah, kind of. Um, but dude, the prequels nonsense was crazy. I can't believe they've done that. Yeah. The only time I've ever heard of that happening is with the Suicide Squad movies. Like, <laughs> oh, we made that one. We're going to do it again. Uh, but uh, you can stay Harley Quinn and everybody else is getting recast. Yeah, but even with the Suicide Squad movie, did they film it, release it to theaters, and then immediately be like, JK, here's another one. Uh, so the Exorcist 3 budget was $11 million and it made $39 million in the box office. I suppose that's considered a success. I would think so. Yeah. I mean, three times its budget? Uh, again, highly recommended. I think everybody should check it out, especially if you like the book. Um, and I can definitely see how it can be confusing. And It's so confusing. If you guys had not explained a lot of this to me, I still would have been like, I don't get this. I, I mean, I get like the, the, the end, the third act, it, but like, I was just like the first, I was like, I don't understand any of this. Also, the idea that it was actually like fucking Pazuzu, like with all the other things. And there's like mm -hmm. that fucking cracked the code for me. Nice. Like I didn't catch that. It gains a lot on repeat viewing. This is at least the third, maybe the fourth time I've seen this movie. And, uh, and I, every oh, I time have, I see different things. I'm I like, have oh. no doubt. Dora's monologues will mean so much more and I'll get so much more out of yeah. them if I like watch it again. So good. Such a great movie. Uh, obviously, I recommend this movie. I can't speak more highly of it. It's super, super good. I would definitely recommend it too. You know what I'd like to see though? I'd like to see someone do a tighter, cleaned up take on this. I thought it maybe, was pretty tight. Maybe like a re-edit or maybe even like some additional dialogue or some additional scenes to like really those things that we had to kind of like loosely try to figure out and piece together. Maybe like just kind of like really like make those clearer. I'm very excited to watch the director's cut. It's called, it's considered uh, Exorcist 3 colon Legion is how yeah. that one's referred That's to. That's how Peter Blatty wanted the, this to be called. But yeah. obviously the studio is like, ah, so thank you for your opinion. We don't want it. Maybe there's some more in that director's cut. That might help it out. That would have been a great moment of like to like actually um, 
release this is called Legion and then like in the third act realize it is related to the fucking exorcist and be like I'm sorry what the fuck did you guys just say yeah. I feel like that's something they would do now but I also don't think they could ever make a movie like this in 2000 I don't know if they do it now I think they'd be too like we're missing out on money not be able to like market this as an exorcist movie I also don't know if big budget Hollywood is confident in quote unquote talkie films yeah that's you fair. know what I mean Everything's- the oh, they would have definitely never made this movie like this now you'd see Every single murder, oh, every you'd see gore. everything. It would be so annoying. Excellent film. Well, everybody should go watch it. Uh, anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Nope. Okay. Well, listeners, have you seen The Exorcist 3? What do you think about it? Let us know on our social media. You can find us at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We got more content at gravetalk.com. The www is, is optional. <laughs> <laughs> It'll get you there either way. Either way. Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. 